All right, so first thing I want to do is just open up in some prayer and then, um, and then we'll dive in. Um, I don't necessarily have one particular passage because we're going to be jumping around a lot, so I'm not necessarily going to read from something initially. Um, but yeah, so this is Bar Heads. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your word and the wisdom that it brings, and thank you for your creation and, and your uh, intelligent design, and um, just pray that uh, you can really help us see your word for what it is, and um, help us retain your truth, and show us how to live our lives in a deeper way that we can truly reflect the image that you've given us of you, and we can share your message with other people, and um, have people share in the same joy that we have uh, being in relationship with you. In your holy name, amen. So, first thing I wanted to say was uh, I left the green um, vines up for effect, so you're welcome. Um, but no, actually, if, it is kind of interfering a little bit with the projector, but if you guys, I will be reading out everything. Um, so, um, if you can't read anything, hopefully you can with me reading it out loud. All right. So, up until recently, Christians living in Canada or North America, um, consuming cannabis was illegal. And as a Christian, that made it very easy to have conversations with people and really stay away from that topic. Um, because in First, First Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it commands us to obey our governing authorities. And so, with that, now we can... Um, obey that and it was very easy to um, have a debate with someone because having it just being illegal made it very easy for me to say no. Um, where the issue comes in now is as of October of this year it is obviously legalized. So our government no longer thinks it is um, illegal to do. So the the topic now of cannabis and Christians becomes much more complicated and complex. And some of the categories I wanted to address were um, recreation and medical. And sort of where do Christians fall within these two areas. And so now that our governing authorities see this legal, does that really give us permission to use it in the way that even our country seems fit? I mean, God's established these governing authorities, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're always um, obeying his commands and his laws. And just like you guys and, and me as well, I can imagine that, you know, today we're, we're sitting here with our, what I would call pre-legalized lenses, where we, we all grew up with marijuana and cannabis as this illegal thing that was um, always bad to do and and it was always this like stigma that, you, that uh, was attached to it. But I want to just ask each one of us just to set it aside for today and just really open your heart to what God has to say and, 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 and so I can show you the passages that um, can give us some insight and wisdom into this particular topic. So what does God say 
about using substances of any kind, regardless of the laws of our land, for recreation or for medical. Well, number one, uh, when it comes to recreational use, there are two major points I want to focus on that I think God gives us guidance in. So when consuming any substance of any kind, we cannot allow ourselves to have an amount that alters our mind. And there are two passages there I left. I'm not going to read them out, but if you want to jot them down and read them later, you can. We will be covering those later on. So the first question that I come off of this statement is what does it mean to have your mind altered? And I think it's a very important question to address because I think if I was to poll even just five of us in here, we would all come up with different definitions. And so the closest thing that we have in the Bible to cannabis is alcohol. And just like alcohol, we must stay sober-minded despite its legalization. I think Proverbs shows us a great picture of someone who is not sober-minded. So I want everyone to turn to Proverbs chapter 23, and we will read verse 33 to 35 together. My version says, your eyes will see strange things, your mind will utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea, or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They struck me, but I do not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. So there's five ways, I think, in this passage that we can see this person's mind was altered. In verse 33, we see that his eyes will see strange things. In the same verse, you see that you will say perverse things. In verse 34, you will do strange things. Verse 35 says you will be numb to pain that is happening to you. In verse 35, this idea of passing out or can't control your tiredness when he says, when shall I awake? See, this is what it looks like when a substance is taking over a person's mind. And now I want to I want to read you guys two examples that actually happened to people in the Bible of of this. So you can jot these down for cross references if you want to look at them later. But Genesis nine verses twenty to twenty one is the story of Noah, and Noah comes off. The boat for the first time, he builds a vineyard, he drinks wine, and he gets drunk. And for those of you that remember the story, he becomes naked, and his clothes come off, and he passes out. Now, I suggest in verse 23 of that passage that it actually shows us that how desperate the, his kids were to cover up his nakedness, that this is not something that Noah's character would have been regularly doing. And so they were trying to hide him and 
cover up the shame that he had done to himself. The second passage is Genesis 19, verses 32 to 35. Um, This is a very difficult passage to understand, but we see after Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed that Lot and his sisters, um, or sorry, his daughters, um, leave Sodom and Gomorrah. And the daughters um, scheme to get him drunk and have sex with him in order to pro- um, make um, their family line continue. And so by the simple fact that the daughters are scheming together to make their father drink wine into trick- tricking him to sleeping with him tells us that he would not have done this with a sober mind. And that the only way they could convince him to do this as if his mind was altered. And so I bring up these examples because I think they're, they show us good, good examples of what happens to a person's decision-making, what happens to their lack of decision-making, and the results and some of the consequences that can happen, whether it affects other people or themselves. And so I think that having your mind altered can be summarized with one sentence. It is a state of mind, a state that your mind enters where you are not yourself, making irrational, unsound, and possibly harmful decisions for yourself or for others. The dangerous thing about being in this state is that it is very difficult to be used for God's kingdom and his purposes. And I'll give you four examples where this is warned and encouraged to stay sober. 1 Peter 4.7 encourages us to stay sober for prayer. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 encourages us to stay sober to be ready for the second coming of Christ. 1 Peter 5 8 encourages us to stay sober to fight against the devil and his schemes. 1 Corinthians 15 33 to 34 encourages us to be sober so we can have a godly image and a strong testimony. See, keeping your mind sober Keep your mind sober so that you can make appropriate decisions and reflect the kingdom of God in the best way that you can. The second second aspect I want to bring up when it comes to recreational use is social perception and cultural stereotypes. So how cannabis looks to the outside world Whether, so even though it's legal, doesn't necessarily mean everyone agrees with the legalization. And and, uh, marijuana and cannabis have been around for so long that it still has this stereotype, um, kind of bad image look that that has sort of been along with it for all all the years. And um, I believe that the Bible I believe that the Bible supports that it is an unwise decision to consume cannabis in any social situation 
regardless of your audience. There, see, there's a big difference just as far as image in, in a simple picture. So if someone saw a picture of say, let's say Jeff holding a beer in his hand, there's a much different image of him holding a beer to holding a joint. Just, just by first glance and the first perceptions and first impressions that, that would give off from this picture. And so I want to use um, three verses here to support us having strong um, examples of behavior amongst outside people. First Peter chapter two, verse 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. First Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Now this is spoken to um, the elders of this church but I thought it was still a good verse. He says, he must have a good reputation with those outside of the church so that he will not fall into reproach and snare and the snare of the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21, it says, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. So as Christians, our behavior is on stage for the world to see and to criticize. Jesus asks us to be the light that reveals his character in the midst of darkness. And we need to be aware of the social situations we get ourselves into and ask yourself if being there and participating is better for God's kingdom or for your kingdom. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 is, is very interesting. Um, it says, bad company corrupts good morals. And so I, I, I strongly encourage that don't think that you are stronger than the crowd you're with. Because First Corinthians chapter 15 obviously thinks that that's not possible. So keep this in mind when you are um, gathering yourself with the people that you're um, hanging out with. And remember in First Peter, First Peter chapter one, verse 15 says, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So based on these things, I, I go back to my previous statement where I strongly think that there is no situation where consuming um, marijuana or cannabis in a social environment has any benefit to the kingdom of God. So the next section I want to talk about was medical use. So I want to begin this section with two Bible verses that I think are key when we're viewing drugs or any substance in the medicinal way. Colossians 1.16 
says, For by him all things were created, and in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. See, all things are created by God and for God and for his glory. He has set a purpose to everything and designed the world that we live in. And God in his infinite wisdom has designed a world where nature can heal us. And I found four passages where a plant or alcohol was actually used or prescribed to people in the Bible for medicine. First Timothy 5.23 says, No longer drink water only, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Ezekiel 47.12 On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will no, no, not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Isaiah 38, 21. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil so that he may recover. And last one. Luke 10, 34. Story of the Samaritan. Good Samaritan. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, clearly here we can see God has made us capable of using nature for healing benefits. So what are some modern examples of natural-based drugs used in medicine today? I have two, two examples, and then there's many more. Um, first example I have is heroin. So heroin was invented in 1898 for the purpose of treating tuberculosis. And it was actually made from a poppy plant, and still is today. The second one is morphine. Again, created in the 1800s, they discovered it could give relief for pain, and also for patients that required much needed sleep to heal, to aided them in sleep. Also made from a poppy plant. So these are two examples of drugs that are being used in medicine in different ways today. Both have positive benefits to helping us go through procedures that also allow us to get well. But both would also fall into the category of altering our mind as well. So if this is the case with going through these procedures, how can a Christian do this and take these drugs and allow their minds to be altered? I think it's because of two things, motivation and purpose. See, God has given people a gift of knowledge in medicine to use 
what he has created for our benefit and ultimately his glory. When we are receiving treatment, are we doing it really for the right mindset and with the God's glory and will in mind when we are taking this? And I, we do this all the time, so I know it doesn't really, you can't quite picture it, but I'll give you a silly sort of example of this. But I've, I've personally never met a person that was so excited to get their wisdom teeth taken out so that they can get gassed up and pass out, right? And, and th this is what I'm talking about. When we get these procedures, we are so thankful. We're, we, when we go through these procedures that end up altering our minds, we have to approach them in the, with the purpose of healing. It's a, good, it's a good thing we're going through this procedure and that we are being thankful that God is gracious and has provided a way for us to do this and have less pain. So, again, approaching these procedures in this way, and I think we already, a lot of us already do, I'm just using it as an example of um, an inappropriate way that you could uh, do these procedures. Now, like anything that God has created, it can be used against its purpose and even abused. And the Bible shows us countless times that when we use something God has created against its purpose or design, it doesn't go well. So how do we know if we are abusing a substance that has been medically prescribed to us or even an over-the-counter medical purchase? I think there's three questions to ask yourself. Number one, do you actually need it? So are you lying about your symptoms and their severity? I've heard of stories of people doing this just to go to their doctor and their doctor is really gullible and um, they know that, so they, they lie about their symptoms. Or maybe you've recovered quicker than expected but have not used up all your prescriptions, but you still want to use them. And I would suggest that now you are no longer using them for the purpose in which they were given to you. So you, you would be abusing that. Number two. Are you using the drug outside of the medical instructions given? So how often do you take the drug? Each, whether it's over the counter or prescribed to you, it has clear instructions on how often you should take it and the, the best way to take it for the best results and safest as well. And are you increasing your dosage when it's not required? So as you use it for longer, you may become more um, desensitized to it so it requires you for more dosages but your instructions on your um, prescription do not recommend that so I would I would say that you are actually abusing that drug and number three are you using the drug to gain a different experience in a social setting so changing your reality to benefit your social environment um, so examples like if you knew you were meeting someone for dinner that really just uh, got, they really got under your skin and you thought, oh, I'll just take a relaxant so I can really enjoy this dinner better. And again, I think you are abusing the drug because it's not meant for that. It's not meant to change the reality to benefit your social environment. And I'm sure uh, you guys can think of many more examples 
um, than that. So we need to remember that like anything, there's a purpose and a direction to using it. So what about cannabis specifically used for medicinal purposes? So when it comes to this, there's not, I couldn't find any direct evidence in scripture that mentions marijuana or cannabis or really anything that would suggest this type of medicine. But I have done a lot of extra biblical uh, work and have information that I think will be helpful. Um, and we can talk more about details of this, but um, at this point I, I actually talked to a friend of mine who is a devout follower of Jesus. He's been consuming medical cannabis for two years and he has um, a severe case of Lyme's disease. And I chatted for him, with him for about two hours um, on Monday and um, I think he, he gave me a lot of really strong and helpful insight into his life and um, he shared a lot with me about his experience and um, his walk with God during, during this time. And so I want to share with you some of the things that he shared with me to help me understand what he's doing and, and, and what's, what's, what went on in his head when he had to make this choice about whether or not he should do this because he, he tried a lot of things and he traveled a lot of places to be treated and um, he had very little success. And so th th this far, um, he's found that cannabis has given him a chance to um, just live a bit more. And so I wanna share some of the things that he shared with me. So just some information, marijuana or cannabis is has two major compounds in it. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. <laughs> You're welcome for that. Um, and CBD, which is cannabidiol. So you're welcome again. So the THC aspect of the compound is what gives you a mind high. And the CBD aspect is what gives you a body high and can actually counteract the mind high from the THC. <clears throat> so in our bodies, we actually have a system um, called endocannabinoids, ECS for short. And these, these cells have receptors that help our body receive THC and CBD. And this system is actually a strong regulator in our body. Um, an example of some of the things it regulates is sleep, appetite, digestion, hunger, mood, motor control, immune function, temperature regulations. These are just some examples that this system does in our body. And when this system is functioning properly, the cannabinoids that are pro produced by our body is actually the natural equivalent of the compounds found in the cannabis plant 
THC and CBD. So I found this very interesting because consuming this plant based upon this information, consuming it appropriately could actually give us benefits our body may be struggling to not give ourselves. And if for those of you unfamiliar with Lyme's disease, Lyme's disease is basically shutting down his body and breaking down all of his systems. And so things like digestion and sleep and all these things are being broken down. And so um, with this system and, and aiding this system, it seems to be um, helping his body come up with the lack that it's having. So the question that I had coming from there was, how do we know then how to consume this thing properly? So if it does benefit us, how do we do this in, um, you know, while understanding what, what it does to us? So my friend walked me through four ways in which he consumed cannabis and the consequences to each. And during these examples, um, I just want to clarify that each example will include THC and CBD because there are different forms where you can have THC eliminated and only do CBD oil, but this, these examples all include both. So first example, first example is smoking a joint. And so all of these things he has tried and um, based upon the medicinal aspects, he's giving me these uh, based on his experience. With smoking a joint, the risk with this method is how quickly and intense the THC enters your body and blood. With the speed and the intensity, it makes for a very strong mind high and only lasts between one to two hours. So based upon the things that we've talked about before, this would be the least recommended uh, form of use. Second, Second form is what would be called vaporizing. And this is a mechanism which allows you to control the temperature in which you are burning the cannabis. Now, although you are still smoking it, the speed in which you are burning it can be significantly decreased, which allows for a slower, less intense rush of THC through your body and blood. But even then, it is still not total control but less of a mind high than the first method. And he said this could last between two to four hours. The third option was um, cannabis oil extract. So in this method, you do receive the benefits of not smoking it through your lungs, as well as a quicker and more discreet way of taking it. But the downside, he said, to this method is the concentration and potential uncontrolled amount of THC that can enter your body because of how strongly concentrated and potential the oil is. So he struggled using this technique because he couldn't, even if he only added one drop, he still couldn't control what was in that drop. So he did not like that tech, that method of consuming it. And the method that he prescribes to is um, eating it. And I'll describe to you what, what that looks like. 
So he said eating the cannabis seems to have the most positive outcomes um, because what he does what is he'll take he he'll purchase a bud. This sounds kind of funny to say that, but um, so he, he'll take this bud and he'll actually take his fingers and rip a pinch off. And with that pinch, he consumes it. He just eats it straight up. And he'll eat it with food. And he um, he has found that because of With this method, he gets the benefits from the leaves of the bud, but it's also, when it travels through your digestion, it's so slow through your digestion, and the amount that he rips off is so small that he actually has a significant lower level of THC entering his bloodstream, and he has very little to no mind high. And also, because of how slow the digestion process is, lasts twice as long as any other method. So he actually gains benefits from this between four to eight hours of, of actual health benefits that he gathers from it. And as we were talking, uh, um, he said to me, if someone was truly, truly required this medicinal um, uh, plant, that why would you not do it in the way that could give you the most amount of benefit? for the longest period of time. Because he basically takes two a day and then one for sleep. And that's how he gets through his day every day. See, his example is great because he shows us that quantity is the key. And I'll give you an example. So I heard this in a YouTube video, just watched a short piece of it. But there's a pastor that was sitting with a, a bunch of other uh, people and pastors and they were having dialogue about this topic and he said that there is no there there that alcohol and cannabis are you cannot compare them and his example was that he can have one beer and not be drunk but he can't have one joint and and not be high and I wanted to bring this up because I actually disagree with him I think they are the same thing and again, quantity is the key. Because, again, remembering the reason why the joint affects you so much is because the THC levels are so high, it would be like consuming one beer that's 50% alcohol, not 5%. And that's really the difference. So, in a sense, if you could have, let's say, for example, a joint with a THC level that was so low that it actually would not alter your mind. Because it's about quantity. And people don't think about um, marijuana when it comes to that, that way. So finding the appropriate amount allows us to benefit from the way that God actually designed this to work. He made this plant. He understands the properties of it. He made us. He understands how we work. My friend also shared a really, really cool thing that happened to him a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the benefits of him taking this is he does have some really good days. And he said a couple weeks ago he actually got to share the gospel with one of his family members. He felt healthy enough to do that. 
And again, to me, it just shows someone that can use this in a healthy way. He's focusing on glorifying God and using it in, in the way that God would want him to use. And he's taking his life as precious and using every chance he can to share the message. He was physically and mentally able to share the gospel despite all the fatigue, pain, and difficulty he would normally have. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to abide by this guideline of how to consume it. But I just wanted to share his experience and hope that it could help us understand cannabis and help if someone is consuming it, maybe to try different ways and different things that they're not alone in, in really trying to make sure they're glorifying God with their consumption of it and the way they live their life. So I wanted to end with one more section. I think there's two responsibilities that we have as Christians when it comes to being the consumer of medicinal marijuana or the bystander. The consumer. Romans 15, chapter 1 says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this, and we must not just please ourselves. Just because your conscience is free when consuming medical cannabis doesn't mean your brother and sister are free. For their sake, do it in the privacy of your own home, not flaunting it in front of them because your conscience is clear. The bystander. Romans 14, 23 says, you may believe there is nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep that between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So to the bystander, there's two things. Do not judge others for consuming that, even though it's hard for you to understand and it's hard for you um, in your conscience. And the second thing is, don't feel obligated to do it, especially when your conscience convicts you to not. Because clearly in this verse, he says here that if you go ahead and do it, you are sinning. So I think everyone here is all at different place in their walk with, walk with the Lord. So I really want to um, strongly encourage everyone to be, to be sensitive, be encouraging and understanding in what everyone's going through, especially if they are choosing to use this method. And the last thing I wanted to leave, leave you guys with is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The main key of this whole um, message is whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God.